This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shabbaton! They're all booked. Anybody here not booked yet? Shabbaton, January 5th. There's one thing Ornava does once a year that we do a lot of things. But this is the pinnacle. This is the top. From Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. Non-stop shiurim, music. Who not of course on Shabbos. What? Um, here we go. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you hire him? Yeah, but I don't remember how I, I my, <laughs> Rabbi Gil Freeman. Oh, Rabbi Ginsberg. Rabbi Grossberg. Ginsburg. Tra- no, Benjamin Ginsberg. Um, Rabbi Grossberg. Charlie Harari. Label Lamb. Mordechai Twersky. Zachary Wallstein, Judy Bodner, Jackie Bitone, and we're in the middle of uh, working on some other speakers. But how many speakers can you have already? Where is it? It's in um, Stamford, Connecticut. It's an amazing place. Last year, there was 700, something like 780 people, or 800 people. But of the 800 people, 500 were girls. So it was amazing. And the 300 women. 300 women, 500 girls. Families came. Very nice. Couples, yeah, sure. Just not, no boys over 13. No single boys over 13. 13 and a half, whatever, 13. Okay? Very nice. We, we love to see you. We try to make it easy for you that you don't have to take out your own money, your own credit card. Just sell raffles. Go to your family. I don't know if you have Thanksgiving dinner. It's a big discussion. I don't want to get involved in halachically, is it correct or incorrect? It's a very big tzaddikim held that you should have Thanksgiving dinner because the malchus of America is the malchus of chesed. And you should vote. And you should vote. They always say you should vote. You have to vote. But it's the malchus of chesed. And I have to tell you that, you know, it's the only country in the world that it says on their money, in God we trust. And the one thing people don't connect to Hashem is money because it's something you have to give the Americans, no matter how, you know, whatever you want to say. In God we trust on every dollar, on every coin. They wanted to take it off. They tried to take it off. But uh, they didn't allow them to take it off. So anyway, so there are raffles. And if you sell, whatever, depending on how much your room costs, but if um, you sell the amount of raffles of the cost of your room, just give us the money from the raffle. And you sell it to your family. Father buy a book, your mother buy a book, your uncle buy a book, and before you know it, you have the money. And they have a chance to win. Someone's going to go to, to uh, what's it called, a pair of tickets there to throw, round trip. So everybody wins. And then you don't have to take a penny out of your own money. Can you use it for miser money? So a part of it definitely you can use for miser money. The, 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 the room and the food itself, but everything above that you can use for miser money. We'd love to see you. It's once a year. That's it. One time a year. Um, we do it right. So this year we have a new, a new um, the food is prepared by a new uh, caterer, Richter Caterer, who does our Pesach. He's the best. He's the best. So you're going to have food, you're going to have Ruchnitz, you're going to have Gashmitz, you're going to have music. You're going to have everything. Cholot, Kogel, Kishka, Grieven, Pacha. You don't even know what I'm talking about half of you. Huh? Uh, a lot of food, a lot of food. 
And we give you a bag if you want to take food home. Take home on Sunday. The lift of the Kugel. But yet to Yaakov, Yaakov did not leave with Kugel. Well, actually he did. He left with a lot of stuff. But um, Eliphaz, Esau's son, was sent after him. And with the commandment to kill Yaakov, Yaakov, what? Oh, that's not on? Sorry. Hey, it wasn't on. Our man in the back is so orangutan and learning. He didn't realize it. This is good? Okay, anyway, so he left with a lot of stuff because he wanted to give jewelry just like Yitzhak um, uh, sent to Rivka. But Eliphaz met him. Eliphaz says, listen, here's the deal. I got to kill you. Uncle, Uncle Yaakov, I got to kill you. Yaakov said, well, we learned together. We used to be chavusas. We used to be chavusas. And we learned that a person who doesn't have any money is considered like he's dead. So instead of killing me, just take all my money. So he took everything, except one thing. We'll see soon what it was. We took everything away from Yaakov, and therefore he was considered dead. In fact, he even took his clothing away. The Medrash says that Yaakov was in a lake. He was in a lake up to his neck because he had no clothing. And um, he was sort of stuck because how's he going to get where he needs to go? So Hashem sent this Arab sheik who came to the water because it was very high. He got off his camel, took his clothing off, put it at the edge, jumped into the water, and drowned. And then Yaakov came out of the water and had all, the, all his clothing. That it's, yeah, and the major says that he didn't come out for 21 years or wherever he was, for how long, because he was scared. If they're going to catch him in that guy's clothing, they're going to say he killed him. So, everything you need is prepared. So he had no clothing, but he got somebody else's clothing. Okay? Um, all right. So, he's on his way to Haran. And he came to this place, actually to Haramoria, where Avram Avinu Davin and Yitzhak was actually um, born on the Akeda. And he comes to this place, Hashem didn't want him to go any further, he wanted him there. So the sun set all of, all of a sudden, which gives us a little bit of a problem, I'll tell you what the problem is. And he took from the stones of the place, we all know the story. All the twelve stones became one stone, right? And he went to sleep. Actually, the way Rashi explains it, he didn't put stones under his head. That's not a really healthy pillow. But he put stones around where he was laying, so it should protect him. These big stones should protect him from any animals coming and attacking him while he was sleeping. Okay, it became one stone. The problem with it is that the night that he went to sleep on Haramoria that the Pasha is talking about was the first night of Pesach. And stones are muksa. So how did he touch the stones? So Lamdish a question. So the answer is that if you take the stone before Shabbos or Yantiv and you designate it for something then it's not muksa. The reason a stone is muksa is it has no use. So if you designate it, so the answer, he must have designated it to protect him 
When the animals before Shabbos, therefore it wasn't Muksas. They asked a question, but he didn't have a chance to designate it before Yantav because Hashem made the sun set all of a sudden. He wasn't ready for it. So how could he designate it? So the answer, B'kuch Nefesh, Deich HaShabbos. Since he was in danger of wild animals while he's sleeping, so he was allowed to protect himself from B'kuch Nefesh, even though it was Yantav. Okay. So, he goes to sleep. Vayachaloyim, and he has a dream. He sees a ladder in his dream. And the legs of the ladder are on the ground. And the top of the ladder is in heaven. And there are angels. We're going to see what angels are going up and down the ladder. First up, then down. Okay? He was going... He was leaving Eretz Yisrael. So the Malachim that went up with the Israeli Malachim and the Malachim that came down were the Malachim of Chutz Laaretz. When you go to Israel and you get off the plane, you have different angels. Did you ever feel that? Malachim shilivu be'eretz, the Malachim that walked him in Eretz Yisrael, ain't yaitzim Chutz Laaretz. They don't leave Eretz Yisrael. They go up. Different Malachim. That's why you feel different in Israel. I always find that I could sleep, I don't sleep a lot when I'm in Israel. Sleep much less, I'm, and I'm not and I'm not tired. I'm not tired at all. I sleep two three hours a night. I'm not tired. Here, two three hours doesn't do it. Different angels. Different angels. Okay, so he's got angels going up and down. Who's standing on top of the ladder? God. But Yomer Hashem says, "Ani Hashem, Hashem that was spoke to Yaakov before. I am God, Elokei Avram Avicha, the God of your father Avram, who wasn't his father, was his grandfather. But Avram used to learn with Yaakov when he called him Bini. So since he called him Bini, Hashem considered him like a son. Elokei Yitzchak, it doesn't say Avicha, and the God of Yitzchak, it doesn't say Avicha by him. The land that you're laying on, that's the land I'm giving to you. It says the whole earth is folded up and went under Yaakov Avinu. Your, your children will be like the dust of the land. And they're going to spread out. East, west, east, north, south. Okay. Now, Hashem promises him, I'll be with you. Yaakov wakes up. He says, Behold, God is in this place. I didn't know that. What do you mean you didn't know that? Ask any little kid in kindergarten. Where's Hashem? Right, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. So how could Yaakov not know that Hashem is everywhere? We'll see soon. Doesn't make sense. But yeah, became scared. What do you become scared for? If I know, Malka, if I know Hashem is here, I'm less scared, not more scared. So he says, God is here. So what are you scared of? Just the opposite. You should be like, oh, I have nothing to worry about. Hashem is here. But Yerman, he said, This is an amazing place. This is the house of God. And this is the gate to heaven. So here comes a bomb question. So we said he woke up, right? 
He said, wow, Shem's here, it's amazing, I didn't know. And the next passage says, the Yashkin Yaakov Aboka. Yaakov woke up in the morning. You just told me he woke up. And you told me he woke up in the middle of the night. So what do you mean he woke up in the morning? He was up already. And he took the stone and he put it under his head. Right? So what does that mean? What does that mean? He woke up twice? So there's two different waking ups here. One is a, realiz- a realization. And the second is Taka waking up in the morning. So what's going on over here? So we have to put our thinking hel- helmets on and understand the difference between Yaakov and Esav. Okay? Yaakov was an Ishtam Yeshev Ohalam. He sat and learned all day. And I'm not Chavshom against that, sitting and learning all day and being Kuala. But he sat and learned all day. That's what he did. He didn't know and didn't want to be in the world of business and planting and farming where he couldn't learn. He didn't know that you could connect that world of the material world to the spiritual world. He wanted to live in the spiritual world. In fact, when Rivka told Yaakov, go steal the, the blessings of Esau, Yaakov said, what do I need them for? The blessings of Esau that my father's going to give is that you should make money and you should have business and you should, things should grow. I, I don't want it. I want to sit yeshiva. Leave me alone. I want to sit and learn. Rivka said, no. The highest level of Kedusha is taking the physical world and making it spiritual. That's why we're here. That's why Hashem created the world. A Torah that Hashem gave us doesn't work only in the spiritual world. In fact, the Malachim said to Hashem, why are you giving them the Torah? And, and Hashem said to Moshe Benu, you answer them. And Moshe said, how are you going to do Kavit Zerich You don't have parents. And how are you going to do, how are you going to give in the field? How are you going to give Truman Meister? And you don't have fields. And he went through all the things in the Torah. He said, you don't have wives. You don't have houses that you should put a mezuzah or a maka or fence. So you guys, you don't need the Torah. You're in a spiritual world. The Torah, the gods of the Torah is being able to take the physical and make it spiritual. It's a little dangerous. Because sometimes when you taste the physical, you forget about the spiritual. So you originally go to combine the two, but in the end you end up totally, and that's what Yaakov was scared of. Very scared of that. I'm going to go out in the field hunting. Maybe I'm going to like it. Maybe I'll never come back to Yeshiva. So, the famous story with Rabbi Akiva and his wife, right? How long was he learning? How long was he learning when he came back? Seven years? Thirteen years? Seven years? You don't know the story? Come on. Rabbi Akiva, huh? Twelve years? All together? No, the first time he came back. So he came back, it was 12 years, thank you for your help, and he was, he wanted to come back, and he heard his wife saying, oh, I wish, I wish he wouldn't come back, I wish he would stay another 12 years. So he turned around, he didn't go home, he turned around, and he went back to learn another 12 years. So they asked a question, everybody asked a question, go home, say hello, have lunch with your wife, you haven't seen her for 12 years, right? And then go back to Sheba for 12 years. So the Gedolim said that one stretch of 24 years 
is much bigger than two stretches of 12 years. In other words, when you break it up, when you break it up, you lose a certain continuous learning. So he was very scared, Yaakov, to, to go to Lavan, the biggest creep around, right? And get married, which is physical, getting married. And like he was seeing Yeshiva learning the whole time. Like, it was a mistake, by the way, that later on, the two children of Aaron Akoin made Nadav and Avihu, they made that mistake. They never got married. Because they felt they're going to get married, then you got to come home, and you got to do physical stuff, and they were so they were bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Aaron, and they said, you know what? We're not getting married. We're not getting married. We don't want to go to that physical part. And they died for it because of it. Because you need to get married, you need to have children, and you need to take the physical world and be malid. That's why Hashem created the physical world. So, even Chizkiyot, right? He, he saw that a Russia was going to come from him. Menashe, and he said, he said, I don't want to have children because I see Rishama coming from him. And he said, that's not your business. Your business is to have children. So we don't have priests or monks uh, in the Himalayas that are fasting, you know, in... in, in um, in Buddhism, so they go to the Himalayas and they separate themselves from the world. They don't talk for a couple of years. You know what that means? They don't talk out of their mouth a word for years. Total separation. They eat very little, no women, of course, and they totally separate themselves. That's not our way. That's not our way. That, then you don't have to create the world. You, want, you don't want to talk, so what do you need a mouth for? You don't want to look, you don't need any eyes for. So by us, there's no such thing as a priest that doesn't get, a rabbi that doesn't get married. In fact, if a rabbi doesn't get married, you've got to be careful with him. So, so it, it, it's, it's just the opposite. It's get married and have children and eat and make a bracha and have cholent and have kogel and have kishka and have salad and have fruit and smell a flower and make a bracha. Of course, don't waste your time you need to learn, you need to learn, but you have to connect to the world. That was not Yaakov at all, in any which way. That was Esau. Esau went out, he asked his father, you have to give truma on, 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 on straw, and he shechted animals, and Yitzhak was like, wow. I was like, because Yitzhak didn't live in that world. So Yaakov said to his mother, I, I don't want a bracha, because we're gonna, I'm going to lose all my spirituality. She said, no, the whole reason you're here is to be able to mix them. Now let's look at the Pasuk. So he, he wakes up, he, he, he has a dream, right? And Sula Mutzabartza, the ladder is on the ground. The basis of the ladder is in the physical world. And to get to the top, to get to the highest level of spirituality of the ladder, Hashem's on top of the ladder, right? You got to start in the physical world and Take it up and take it up and take it up till the physical world becomes the spiritual world. It's a lot of work. What was it? It was a big rub that said he he doesn't make a bracha to eat. He eats to make a bracha. Doesn't need to, he's not into eating. But he wants to bench. So he takes out a piece of bread. He wants to make a burning of fashas. He says, I don't make a bracha to eat. I eat to make a bracha. Which halachically is not so correct, but whatever. In other words, I am not, if I'm not thirsty right now, I have a glass of water. I want you all to say amen. 
Very good thing to say, Amen, right? But I'm not thirsty at all. And I make a bracha on the water just so you should say Amen, it's a bracha levatol. And not let it make a bracha so you should say Amen. Unless I'm a little bit thirsty. So usually a person's a little bit thirsty, so it, it works. But if I'm just getting up there, and I'm like, I'm not thirsty, but I want you to say Amen, it's a bracha levatol. You can't just make a bracha. But they, uh, the, the, the whole parsha of physical becoming spiritual was very, very strange to him. So he's and Allah from heaven are going up and down this physical, spiritual ladder. So when he wakes up, he wakes up from his dream. he said, behold, God is not just in Shemaim. God is here in the physical world where I'm laying. Hashem is here. Uh-oh. So he says, <coughs> I didn't know that. I thought spiritual is spiritual. Physical is physical. And they're two separate things. You're telling me that God is here also? Well, he became scared. Well, he said, what a holy place this is. You can eat an orange and take it to a, le- a level that's unbelievable. This whole world is the house of God. Not up there. This is the house of God. The field, the business, money that you can't lend money with interest. All the mitzvahs in the Torah that have to do with this world. You can't wear clothing and have shatness. Tzniyah, tzitzah, tefillin. All the physical things that a person has in his life. He said, is here in this world? The whole world, a flower, you make a bracha, right? It's the house of Hashem. This is the gate to get into Shemayim. And he took the stone and he made a monument to remember the revelation that he had in this dream. Of course, if you take the physical things in the world and you don't make a bracha, the Gemara, the Gemara says you're a ganath. You're stealing from Hashem. If you don't make a bracha on something that you get, you're a ganath. You're not allowed to have enjoyment in this world without making a bracha. Now it's interesting, you don't make a bracha on music. Now I'm really thirsty, so I'm going to make a bracha. Amen. It wasn't for you, it was for me. But anyway, so how can you don't make a bracha on music? Music's beautiful. Right? Imagine you go to a concert, a hundred violins. You're sitting there like, wow, how can you don't make a bracha on it? Because music's spiritual. So even though, even though you're hearing it in your ears, right? But the, the, way, the way it says, it has no mamushes. You can't touch it. You can't, you can tape it, but you can't put it in a glass. So, music is spiritual. And I, I gave a whole class today. I cannot do it in public because we're filming it. And I put pictures of tzaddikim and pictures of rappers. And in class, I gave them out. A picture of Rapam and a picture of Fiddy Sant. If you don't know who he is, it's good. And the girls would look at this and look at them like, oh my, that's, 
the difference in the music makes the person. But anyway, it's not for it's not for the share. But music has an unbelievable power, a crazy power. I'm a, I happen to be a musician. I'm a drummer, so. The drum is the beat, so it's a whole different, you know. I always dreamt, I, I, I always would have wanted to be a violinist. A violinist, a violin sings. No, a violin, oh, oh, it's, it, it cries. It's just a different instrument. All those string instruments, it's like they're talking to your heart. Piano, drum is not talking to your heart. I don't know exactly what it's talking to, but it's not talking to your heart. It makes you jump, it's talking to your feet, whatever. It's, it's unbelievable, the power of music. And it says, it says that, um, never can make my parents crazy in the basement. It was banging and banging and whatever. Um, but they were very nice. They let the whole band come to the basement and play. So, so it was just interesting. The other night, I'm not going to get into my personal thing, but um, every once in a while I have a guy come and knead out my muscles because they hurt me very much from standing or whatever it is. So it's like he's a masseuse, a firm guy. He comes to my house. So... My legs were killing me, and I called him to come at 10 o'clock at night. I said, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going on the table. I'm not falling asleep because I never know what he did. I wake up. I'm like, my legs still like, what did you do? Oh, we're done. I'm like, no, this time I'm going to be up. (laughs) I want you to, I want you to, when you do my calves, I want you to make me scream. I want you to really get in there. I'm not going to sleep. Not, not going to sleep. So they have this like light on, you know, soft light, whatever it is, and he plugs in his music thing, and they got like rainfall, like these, you know, Chinese music things, and you have this rainfall, and then like like whispering wind, and I don't know what else he had over there, like a fountain, all these sounds, right? It was gone in seven, eight, seven, eight minutes. I was out. I woke up an hour and a half later. He goes, "Okay, we're done." I'm like, "Hello." He said, you were sleeping. So why? Because it has such a kayach to make you relax. Music has a huge kayach, a crazy kayach. Wild music makes you wild. Quiet music puts you to sleep. And it says, it says that in the, in the Medrash in Chavakuk, that no Navi could say prophecy unless there was music in the room. So they would have someone playing of uh, whatever it was, a harp, and David Melech had that harp that used to wake him up at twelve o'clock, and that they could not get to a level of prophecy unless there was music in the room, except for Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one that could get in the vias without music. So do you understand? Do you understand the power of music but to bring the vias prophecy into a person? They had to have music. Chavakot, all of them. Except for my Rabbeinu. And you see in the Beis Hamidosh, right, when I started writing my Shira music, in the Beis Hamidosh, the Levim, you couldn't do Karbonos, you couldn't do Avoda, unless the Levim was singing, and I think they had 12 instruments, the Gemara says, whatever the amount of instruments, unless there was music in the Beis Hamidosh, there was no Karbonos. What do you mean? I'm, I'm in the Beis Hamidosh, the Shechina, the closest to Hashem, I need music? Need music to get holy? And the answer is yes. You need music to get holy. So that's how holy music is. You can't get nevius. You can't bring korbanos. And, and I never saw it, but someone quoted that the Zayar says that when Adam was thrown out of Gan Eden, Hashem said you could take one thing with you, not the Eitzadas, not the Eitzachayim. And he said, I want to take music. So music came out of Gan Eden. So it's a very interesting. 
power of music, and that's why music affects us. And um, I had this whole situation in my high school many years ago, seven, eight years ago, and there was everybody, all the girls were like prancing down the hall with their music, and they were like up and down. And they had these earbuds in their ears, and I could hear, walking, walking opposite them, I could hear their music. That's how loud it was. Right? I heard them what they were listening to, and there was some bad rap that was some listening to some music, whatever it was. And um, I, I listened to that music. I took one of the earbuds. I don't know how sneer stick it is to be sharing an earbud with you know two earbuds. I shared one in her ear, and I had one in my ear. And there was very angry music coming out of that ear. They were not singing love songs at all. It was screaming. And I said to her, "How could you?" How could you walk around a whole day with someone screaming in your ear? She said, it doesn't affect me. No effect. I said, really? There's no effect? No effect. It's music. I want to get over it. I'm like, okay, we're going to do a test. So I got all the girls to come into a, a classroom. And I told them to bring me their meanest, meanest uh, music that they have, which they all had mean music. And um, we, got a, we got a boom box. We connected the iPad iPod to the boombox, um, and I said, I want you to take out a piece of paper. It's a true story. You can ask the girls. I said, I want you to take out a piece of paper um, and a pen, and the minute I want, I want you to close your eyes, I'm going to close the lights in the room, I'm going to close your eyes, and I want you to write me when, you, when, the, sound, when the record is over, the song is over, what you saw in your conscience, or with your eyes closed, what you saw, the pictures that you see. Okay, experiment. So, um, we put on this music. Whoa. It was like, whoa. Um, some really bad stuff. And, but they like it. And they were listening to it. And they finished the song. I turned on. I said, okay, write me what you saw. Right? So, the big, the, one of the biggest words that was on everyone's paper was despair. Despair. Pain. Darkness. Hopelessness. It was a very nasty song. And every, every adjective that was written there was totally negative. Okay, we finished. I said, okay, now put your paper on the side, take out another piece of paper, and I put on, I'm going to do the same thing, I want you to do it again. And the only song that I had in my car was Mama Rachel. At that time it was a very hot item. So I said, I know you're going to throw up, but you know, you girls have to listen to this. So, we put on Mama Rachel. I'm watching them all, right? Their eyes are closed, right? And when we finished, I said, okay, write down. Tell me what you saw with your eyes closed. Love. Kindness. One girl wrote, I don't know what she was on exactly, but she wrote, a seagull flying over the ocean. Okay, whatever. Um, just very, everything positive. No darkness, no despair, no suicide. All the words that were written on those papers. Just very positive things. So I said to them, what you don't realize is the message that your brain and soul is, is getting is the message you wrote on your paper. The reason you don't feel when you listen to this music despair and suicide and all these other things is because it's screaming so loud that you don't, you don't see what it's doing to you. The only way you can see what it's doing to you is if your eyes are closed, right? 
and while you're listening to it, your eyes are closed. So you can, you, but you don't listen to music with your eyes closed. You're walking around. So you, you don't see what it's doing to you. But you wrote yourself despair, darkness. So if all day long, it's going into my brain, despair, 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 darkness, suicide, all day long. Which, which I don't realize because it's, the music is causing that in my head. See, when you close your eyes, that's what you saw, right? And it's continuously doing you. Of course you're going to be depressed. Of course you're going to be short-tempered. Of course you're going to be angry. Angry. One of the things they wrote on there was angry because the singer was very angry. He was angry at a lot of things. So we don't realize the music we listen to, what it does to us. But on both sides of it, it does something to us. Last week, I, there was something going around for me that I said, Kalabach, his music lasts for so long because he never listened to non-Jewish music. So I know two of his choir members that told me specifically when they became choir members, Shlomo Kalabach came up to me and said, you cannot listen, I don't want my music to have any effect from the Goyesha music. I don't listen to Goyesha music, therefore you can't. And this went viral. I said it two, three years ago, but people take things from two, three years ago and then they put it on the internet, it went viral. Friday I get this message from someone who was very upset and says, you didn't do your research, if you go to YouTube, did, 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 did. I don't have YouTube, I have a flip phone, right? If you go to YouTube, did, 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 and YouTube number two, did, 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 you will see Shlomo Kalabach is singing non-Jewish music. I'm like, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. He himself, there's a video of he himself saying, I don't listen to non-Jewish music. So, I don't have that, but someone that does have it, I went to them, I said, could you find these two, these two YouTubes? And he's singing non-Jewish music on both songs. One song is a song that they sing around the campfire. I don't remember the word of it, whatever it is. It's an old song from the 1920s. Kumba, Kumba something. Kumbaya. So he's singing Kumbaya. The Kumbaya means, oh my, my God, right? My Lord. Um, it was written by somebody in 1922. And the Christians... He used it in the African nations as a song to mis- to missionary to to you know to uh, missionary them. So he's singing that. I saw that, and then he's singing another song, also a very old song, whatever it is. So I have to take back what I said that he never listened to Goshen. So so, but he said he did it. So somebody said to me tonight, could be that 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 he sang those two songs. Post, he said, I didn't listen to Goyesha music. So that when he made the statement, he had not listened to Goyesha music yet. Well, maybe he thinks Kumbaya is not a Goyesha song, but it is a Goyesha song. It's used, it's used, but you know what it meant. Because he says, oh my Lord. He says the whole time, oh my Lord. But, but it was used by the, um, it was the song of the Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. Whatever. So I have to take that back. I saw the video. So, uh, yeah, so I'm sure they're going to tape this and send it around to everybody. That Red Wallstein took it back and he saw the video, but I saw the video. It's there. And I saw the video where he says, I never, I never listened to Gracious Music, so. It's a Steve. Take her. Wait till Mashiach comes, we'll find out. <laughs> Alright? Okay. Anyway, so yeah, it's very, 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 very powerful. Very, very powerful. There's a big tzaddik that I used to go to for brachas, and when he was learning, he had a cassette tape. I don't even know what that is, but whatever. And I could set that playing like uh, yeshiva choir songs and stuff like that while he was learning. And I asked him, why doesn't it disturb you? He said, no, just the opposite. You have it, if you have it in the background while you're learning, your learning is better. Big kayach. Music is a crazy kayach. Huge kayach, especially 
if you're musically in tuned, it's it's you go straight to your heart, hundred percent. It's it becomes part of you. I don't know how I got off this subject, but anyway, oh, because it's you don't make a brach on it, you don't make a brach on it, even though it's physical because it's a sound, but it's really totally spiritual. Okay, so be careful of the music that you listen to. Make sure it's the right kind of music because in the sublime, it's 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 sending messages all the time. All right, so we see from here that he was very worried about mixing Yiddishkeit, physical and spiritual. But in the end, everybody who's watching, the, 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 it's an unbelievable place, the world. It's based on the kingdom. It's the house of Hashem. You can do anything. You're living in the house of Hashem. Eretz Yisrael is the front yard. Eretz Yisrael is the front yard of Hashem's house. That's why you have to be careful. You don't litter. You know, literally, in someone's in the back of someone's house in his lawn, you want to throw a piece of paper down, but you never litter, litter in the front of the house. So I always tell the girls in Eretz Yisrael that are there for seminary, and Avera, my Rebbe always says, Rabbi Gamliel, and Avera in Israel is a thousand times worse than an Avera in Chutzlaretz. Because it's the front yard. Don't go to Eretz Yisrael to do Averas. Who says that? Want to do Averas? Stay in America. Eretz Yisrael is much worse. Much worse. Hashem, it's, it's, Beisolokim, Haram Maria with Beisolokim, the house of Hashem. All right. So anyway, the the, the the message that I'm trying to give over here is that Hashem doesn't want you to fast a whole year, and you know you have certain fast days to fast, but otherwise He wants you to eat, He wants you to make a bracha, and He wants you to bench, and when you go to the bathroom, which is not such a nice thing, right? You have to make an ashiyotzah. No matter what we do, there's a bracha, and that's what Yaakov was scared of. And he was very challenged because when he went to when he went to to Lavan, he lived with a crook, and he worked. And um, we got punished actually because in the times of Haman, Haman was Esav, and Esav came to Hashem and said, "You know, for twenty one years, um, Yaakov didn't do kibbutz aim because he was he was by Lavan." So the Malach, our Malach, said to Hashem, "It's not true." His mother and father sent him to go there as kip, right to get married. So he, that's kibbutz of aim. So the sultan said it's not true. He didn't go for that reason. He went to make money. The Malachim Yisrael said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "For seven years he worked for Rachel. He got Leah. Then he worked another seven years for Rachel. Okay, but then why did he work another seven years to make money? Because his parents didn't tell him to make money." So it's mashma that the first 14 years wasn't for the right reason. Or he wouldn't have done the, the third seven years. That's when the whole Xer of Haman happened. Because he had Kivit of Aim. He was there 21 years. First seven, Rachel ended up being Leah. Second, Rachel. And the, second, the third part was to make money, to be able to feed whatever. But, but he wasn't told to do that. So the Sultan said, the last seven years show that the first 14 years wasn't for the right reason. Or he would have ran home. He didn't run home. He said, ah, it wasn't for Kivit of Aim either. Or was it Koyach? So he, he was very, uh, what? Right. So it's, uh, it's, um, he had, he had, he had a reason to be worried. He was coming from that, from that yeshiva learning protective place and he knew that he was going into a, and that's why actually he went to the yeshiva. Because really, they sent him many years before that to go to to go to Lavan. 
He said, I'm going to love it. I have to, I have to build myself up. I have to go learn. Alright, one more thing we want to talk about tonight, which is an unbelievable Medjish I think it's important for every person to learn this Medjish And the Medjish Tachuma in Pashat Vayetzeh says the following. So he was dreaming, and Hashem came to him in his dream, and something else was going on in this dream. Let's get to Vayetzeh. This is Vayetzeh. We want Vayetzeh. Oh, Vayetzeh. Okay. He says the following happened. Who's going up and down this ladder? What was going on over here? So it says what he saw was like this. we learn. In the dream, Hashem showed Yaakovinu, Sarah the guardian angel of the Babylonians. Ola, he was going up the ladder. Going up the ladder meant being successful. And when he hit the 70th step, boom! Hashem threw him off the ladder. The Babylonian Golos was 70 years. He's like, whoa, look what happened to that guy, Yaakov said. Okay, next. Okay, Madai, Persia, right? Achashverus, Persia. Allah, he started going up the ladder for a certain amount of years. Bing, flung him off the ladder. Yavon, the Greeks, were going up the ladder. Vyoyed, Chashmanam, Hanukkah, threw him off the ladder. Edom, the Roman Empire, Ola was going up the ladder. Vyoyed, threw him off the ladder. So when we try to get up the ladder, didn't make it. Hashem said to Yaakov, Yaakov, everybody got up on the mat on the ladder. Why did you get up on the ladder? Well, he used to show in the story of Yaakov. Yaakov became very scared. Well, he said, just like I saw all these guys go up and you threw them off. I'm going to go up and up and up and thinking I'm going to get shoots and ladder you know I'm going to get to the top and you're going to throw me off oh Hashem said no you're different Hashem said to him if you go up the ladder I promise you I won't throw you off get on the ladder I'm not going to throw you off the Lord Hammond Yaakov did not believe him the Lord Allah he didn't get on the ladder so in the dream it says he saw the Malachim going up and down. He doesn't say he saw him going up and down. He didn't say he saw himself going up and down. He saw all these Persian Empire and all So he didn't believe Hashem and he didn't go up. Does anyone in this room understand this? No. Hashem came to what do you mean you didn't believe Hashem? Hashem said, I'm not gonna throw you off the ladder. So we're gonna answer that in a minute. Rabbi Shmuel when you're saying he said, he said, despite all this, they still sinned, and they didn't believe in Hashem's wonders. So, if you would have listened to me, Yaakov, and you would have trusted me, and you would have gotten on the ladder, Yisrael would have never gone down one rung. There would have never been in Galos. We wouldn't be in America. The Sheikh would have been here already. But you didn't believe me. Now that you didn't listen to me and you didn't believe me, the punishment is that all these guys that got thrown off the ladder, and that's why you were scared to get on the ladder, now all your children 
are going to be under all their empires. So we have the, we had the Babylonian Empire that killed us. We had the Persians that killed us. We had the Greeks that killed us. We had the Romans that killed us. So had he listened, had he not been scared, nothing would have happened. So everyone in the room is like, what are you talking about, Rabbi Wallstein? What do you mean he didn't believe Hashem? When Hashem's a liar? Mr. Shalom, what do you mean? Hashem said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to throw you off. What does it mean? Well, I have and he did not believe. So they answer, who answers? Who answers? The H. Yosef, the H. Yosef answers, he said, no. Not he didn't believe that Hashem promised that Hashem would keep his promise. Like Hammond, he didn't believe that Yisrael would be so good that they would not sin and get thrown off the ladder. He said, Hashem, you love us. We're your children. So you believe whenever we do anything bad. Hashem, we're bad to the bone. We're going we're gonna to do stuff. And then, when we do stuff, you're going to break your, your promise, but you only promise if we behave ourselves. We're not going to behave ourselves. You're going to end up, we didn't keep our words, so you don't have to keep your word. You're going to end up throwing us off. So one that he didn't believe in Hashem. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe in us. And that's why we got punished. So what's the lesson of this? Is that a person get on the ladder of life. Because if you stay off the ladder, you can't do anything. You're not going to go anywhere. Get on the ladder. Don't be scared of failing. Failing is part of accomplishing. When you fail, you learn what you did wrong. You reopen. But now you fixed everything that went wrong because you failed. And it lasts forever. Had you not failed, you would have opened up. It would have lasted for two, three years. But you wouldn't have done it right. So failure actually is part of success. For a baby to walk, the baby has to fall. No baby ever went from crawling to walking. You have to, they stand up, they hold on, they take two steps, they fall. They're going to take five steps, they fall. You learn to ride a bicycle. You fall. You scratch your knees, you know. When your kid rides a bicycle, you have the, the first aid stuff ready because you know that kid's going to have scratches on their elbows and on their knees. But you know what? After two, three times, there's no more scratches. So the failure, the falling, brings you to the success. But what this posture is teaching us, if you're going to stay off the ladder, you're never going to walk. If you're scared you're going to bang your knees, you're never going to, you're never going to ride a bicycle. There are kids out there, there are adults out there that don't know how to ride a bicycle. Do you know why? Because they were scared to scratch their knees when they were kids. That's why. So they failed because they didn't try. So there's a very big lesson in the ladder. And the lesson in the ladder is, get on the ladder! Don't worry that you're going to fall. you fall! You won't fall, you will fall! You've got to get on the ladder. If you're, not, if you're not in life, if you're not giving it a chance, if you're not trying, it ain't going to work. There was a great hockey player, I don't like to have to quote hockey players, but there was a great, great hockey player. And they asked him, like, he scored like the most goals in the NHL. And they asked him, he was a skinny guy, they asked him, to what do you attest that? You know, why were you, why are you the best? Why do you score so many goals? Like, why are you better than the rest? And he said, I learned something very early in my hockey career. You miss 100% of the shots you do not take. You stay? If you don't shoot the puck, it can't go into the net. So, 
100% of all the shots you don't take, you missed. You didn't take them. He said, I, his name was Wayne Gretzky, he said, I, every time I got the part, I shot it. It hit a skate, it hit a shoulder, it hit a pole, it hit this, it went in. Sometimes it didn't go in, sometimes it didn't go in. But I shot the most, I kept shooting. If you don't shoot, it can't go in. 100% of the shots you don't take, you miss. So never, they were never taken. So, a very big lesson is over here is that each one of us from Pasha Yetzeh, you got to get on the ladder. Don't be scared to fail. You think I never failed with things that I've tried? Of course I've failed in the things that I've tried. It's part of it. But if you throw a hundred darts at the target, one of them is going to get into the middle. Sometimes you have to, have, you have to just try You have to try a hundred times. You throw a hundred darts, one of them is going to get in the middle. Well, let's hear big clots. If it's not a big clots, one of them is going to get into the middle. In life, there's a lot of people that, you know, even in Ornava, I remember when I opened it up, there were some very big people at Chinuch that said to me, I thought about that for 10 years ago already. I'm like, you thought about it, I did it. You thought about it, you're off the ladder, you're like, hmm, should I get on the ladder? Hmm, should I get off the ladder? Maybe I'm going to fall. Maybe I'm not going to get up to the top. Okay, so at the end of life, at 120 years old, you're like, okay, it's too late now. Oh, I think I'm going to get on the ladder now. It's too late. You're not here anymore to get on the ladder. But people, you, you have to push yourself. And you're not going to you're not going to succeed all the time. Big deal. It's a very true word. Failure is part of success. Maybe the major part of success. Because if you fail, you fail, you fail. You learn all the wrong things, and you know that's what they do. in, uh, I don't know if you ever studied flying, but the Wright brothers, that whole thing, they failed so many times. They crashed. It was like funny to watch. They crashed. They tried hang hang gliders. They crashed. Till they got that first plane off the ground. They crashed many times. Now look at the jets that are flying at 40,000 feet. Dreamliners. Started off with the Wright brothers. They failed, they failed, they failed, they failed. Thomas Edison failed. All, all inventors fail. And then they learn, well, that doesn't work. Let's do this. Failed again. Okay, that doesn't work. Let's do this. Don't give up. Because the first time you failed, then you're never going to invent anything. You're never going to be able to go on with life. That's what Yaakov, that's what happened to Yaakov and Hashem. And Yaakov, it came from a good place. It's like, who are we? We're not such a deacon that we're going to go all the way up the ladder and we're not going to do our various things. It's like, listen, it's not your problem. Get on the ladder. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to make sure that you make it. But you got to get on the ladder. If you don't get on the ladder, I'm not going to help you. And there's many miracles and many stories where you see that, that Hashem says, I'm not going to help you. There was just a few weeks ago in the Haftarah, there was a woman and and, and she took care of him and everything and he said how can I repay you and she said I don't have anything I have no food I have nothing so he wanted to make her rich so he said to her um, how many jars do you have in the house she said I have one jar he said go to all your neighbors get as many jars barrels that you can have she had a little oh, actually I just saw this week in the Medrash that the Pach Shemen by the Navi that he used to pour all into all the barrels was the Pach Shemen that he had over here in his stick in his hollow stick Talk about it next week, Mitchell. But anyway, so so they asked Akasha. They asked Akasha, why did you have to go all the and then and then he said close the door so they shouldn't see it? And he had this thing of oil, a jug of oil, and he poured it to these huge barrels, this little jug of oil, and he kept pouring. Every pot that she had in the house, every bowl, every pot, every cup, every every, every anything she had that was a clay of kubble, and he jugged, 
she filled up with oil. She became very rich from selling all that oil. So everyone asked Akasha, why do you have to go to all the neighbors and ask them for all kinds of jars? If you're doing a miracle like that, say, in the name of Hashem, and the house is full of barrels of oil. If you're doing a miracle, Hashem, why do I have to, get, I have to go get the bottle that you have a little one and a big one and a big one and a different one, and, and, and why are you asking the neighbors? You're doing me a miracle anyway. Okay, I'll close my eyes and, and the house will be full of barrels. And the answer is, it's not the way Hashem works. You have to have the barrel. You have to bring it in. He'll fill it up with oil. You have to get on the ladder. You have to take the chance. You have to go on in life. You do that, Hashem will back you up. You don't do that, He's not backing you up. He's not putting you on the ladder, ladies. Not, why not Hashem? Why don't you help me? Why don't you help me? Help yourself and then I'll help you. He's not putting you on the ladder. He didn't put Yaakov on the ladder. He said, hey, Yaakov, you're on the ladder. Go climb. Shem said, go on the ladder. You know what? Go on the ladder. We're done. You're not, you're, you're, children, you're not going to be protected from ever falling off the ladder. There's another thing. Had he just got on the ladder, he would have, we would have never fallen off the ladder, but he wasn't willing to go on the ladder. So that's a very big lesson for, for us because people struggle and like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't make a speech. I don't know how to write. I can't do this job. No. You... Start writing, and the words will come. You start speaking, and the words will come. You start the job, you'll find out that you're much more talented than you are. But if you're not going to get out of bed, and you're not going to bring the jar, you're not going to get the bracha. The bracha comes when you create the keli. you got to get on the ladder. We should all be zeicher to get to the top of the ladder. And see Hashem and Mashiach on the base of Midrash because the whole parsha of this whole thing of his dream was actually on the Har Maria. And I always try to imagine when I stand by the Kosel that there's this huge ladder. And why a ladder? Why a ladder? Why not steps? Why not steps? Anyone here know why it was a ladder, not steps? You think you think angels go up on a ladder? You think they're firemen? There's no, there's no ladder there. Why, why do you think he, Hashem showed him a ladder? If anything, right? Stairway to heaven. That's how the song goes. Right? Stairway to heaven. A road to heaven. I think there's a book called The Road to Heaven. A road to heaven. An escalator. An elevator. A ladder? What do you think the ladders look like? What do you think the ladders in Yaakov Avino's time look like? Well, a ladder. You know, this wide. Why not Hashem use a ladder? The best Torah on this whole week's parsha, Because the only thing, whether you go up or down, you have to look up, is a ladder. You go down steps, you look down. You go down a road, you look down. You go down a ramp, you look down. When you go up a ladder, you climb, right? You look up. When you go down a ladder, you climb down, looking up. You don't turn around. You turn around, you fall off the ladder. So when you go up and down a ladder, you're always looking up. So Hashem said, I'm on the top of the ladder. He said, Yaakov, you know, Dina is going to go through what she does. Rachel's going to die. Yosef's going to be sold. You're going to have to deal with Lavan. And there's going to be times on this ladder, life's not going to be good. Right? He came to Paro, he said, my life was miserable. He said, so many times you're going to be going down the ladder. But remember that a ladder, whether you're going up or down, you have to look up. And who's needs of Allah? Who's on the top of the ladder? I am. So in life, whether you're going up and down, always look up. And all the other means of travel, when you go down, you look down. When you go up, you look up. And that's why Yaakov Avino saw a ladder in his dream. And we all have to follow that. We have to, no matter what we're going through in life, you have to continue to look up. 
Shlochem Racha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.